This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of PMP Industry Insiders Podcast, where we look at what's changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines of those that are driving those changes in the industry. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Donnie Shelton. I'm the owner of Triangle Pest Control as well as CEO of Coalmarch, which provides digital marketing and pest uh, digital marketing for the pest and lawn industries. And with me is Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. I'm really excited about today. Um, as an accountant, one of my favorite uh, topics is marketing. And so I think that uh, we've got uh, a good guest today here. And uh, uh, so why don't you introduce uh, Rachel? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm very excited about our topic as well. We're going to talk about how to grow your business. Basically, 2021 digital strategies and things that you can do in 2021 um, to grow your business on the digital side. And of course, like most things, I feel like getting good online is like chasing the horizon. It's always changing, and it seems like every time you get, uh, you feel like you're on top of the world and an algorithm or something changes and, and you're almost starting over. And so I'm excited about our guest. We got Miss Rachel Betterbid from Colmarch. She is the vice president of digital marketing. Uh, she works with me directly, so there's no telling what she's going to say. Uh, I work with RB quite a bit. By the way, everyone calls her RB. Her name's actually Rachel Betterbid. So if I say RB, you know who I'm talking about. But she manages our SEO and paid media teams at Colmarch and is also responsible for maintaining and evolving the company's overall digital marketing strategy. So when it comes to what is Colmarch doing online and why are we doing it, Rachel is all things. She is the brain trust behind our strategy. She's been with us for over seven years and has worn many hats throughout her time. Uh, she's been in SEO, PPC, email marketing, of course, data analytics, conversion opera, uh, optimization, as well as business strategy. And bonus, she has managed to make uh, to make it with working with me longer than a year. So with that, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. What an introduction. I don't think I've ever been introduced so formally before. I'll take it. As somebody who's been working for Colmark for longer than a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly yep. right. That's exactly right. So RB, uh, this episode is all about, you know, growing your business in 2021 online. And as we kind of start this discussion, I thought it would be really, really great. You know, most of our listeners are just getting their season starting started. I know that there's a lot of folks in the South who are well into, or the Southern part of the country who are well into their season. But I think for most folks, things are just now getting kicked off. It's March, things are ramping up. Um, and so with that, let's start with the basics. What would you consider to be, hey, I am getting ready to get into my season. Uh, I've got a website or whatever. What are some basic things that some of our listeners could be checking to just to make sure that they're ready to go for the season? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think to start off the kind of the conversation to kind of preface that obviously everything we're going to be talking about today is going to be, you know, hyper focused on this industry specifically. I feel like when it comes to digital marketing, I mean, it's so broad. There's so many things that go into digital marketing and advertising. And oftentimes business owners hear about the latest new trends and they, they want to try it. They're interested in it, but it may be doesn't make the most sense for their industry specifically. And so obviously everything we're going to be talking about today is going to be focused on lawn care, pest control, home services in general, which, you know, is such a needs based industry. It, you know, it's not like selling a product where, you know, someone doesn't have to have a need to buy shoes. I could just see an Instagram ad for shoes and be convinced to buy it. Um, you know, if you are going to buy pest control, you have to have a pest problem. If you're going to buy lawn care, you need to have a lawn. So there's um, just to kind of kick it off with that is pest control, lawn care, home services. A lot of it is a needs based industry where you have to have a need. Um, so let me, let with me that clarify being said, that a little like bit. OK, so let me clarify that a little bit, because I think what you're really saying is, is that people behave a lot differently in this industry than they would say in other industries where you can use branding or you can use Instagram. Hey, I'm building this brand and or I have, I see this piece of clothing I'd really, really like that might influence me. Whereas no one sits around on Friday night and says, you know, I really want to have my house treated if they don't see a bug. But if they do, all right. hell breaks loose. Right. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, we got to do something right now. Mm -hmm. So anyway, is that a good summary exactly. of kind of what you're saying there? OK, perfect. Yeah. So so with this industry, inbound marketing is really the most effective way to generate leads. So inbound marketing versus outbound marketing. Inbound is like people have a need. They're looking for a solution. They go to find it and they come to you versus outbound being more traditional means like you're taking your brand, you're taking your message and you're putting it out there for people who maybe don't even want to hear it. So outbound would be more traditional means of advertising, you know, billboards, TV ads, things like that. So in the context of inbound marketing, I feel like you know, the most basics are obviously going to be, you know, search engine visibility. It's going to be, you know, when someone does need an exterminator, when someone does need, you know, to fertilize their lawn and they don't want to do it themselves, where are they going to go to find it? They're going to go to Google. I mean, it's it feels like a given at this point to say that. But when people have a need for, you know, a home service, they're going to Google or they're going to Thumbtack but, or they're going to, you know, whatever kinds of other I'm blanking on the other home advisors, one of them. Um, but for the most part, people are going to Google. So I feel like the basics are really what is your visibility look like on a search engine? Are you coming up on the first page? Because the first page gets like 95 percent of the clicks. So no one's going to the second page. So. Um, as far as the basics, so you know, hang on. So just to be clear the there, because I want to make sure that this is this. You just made a really good point, and I want to make sure folks capture this. Google by far is the big gorilla. I know that probably goes without saying, but you know, sometimes I get questions about, well, what are you doing on Bing, and what are you doing in Nextdoor, and and by the way, those platforms are important. I think you should market on them. But I mean, do you have any? And not to put you on the spot here, but let's let's have some fun. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Like when we look at overall search traffic, I mean, what percent of that is Google versus all other platforms? Do you do you happen to know that? So when I, I presented and did a presentation at our conference, CO2, I talked a lot about market share and Google by far holds majority of the market share when it comes to search. So it I mean, it's I think it's upwards of 60 to 70 percent or at least it was in 2019. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going up every year. Um, so as far as search goes people going to a search engine and searching google's got majority of the market share by 60 to 70 percent now if you look at just digital in general so not necessarily search so counting things like instagram and just websites and apps that people are using i believe it's more like 30 to 40 percent but it is still the biggest 
you know, it's still dominating by far. Um, so right. yeah. Right. And, and don't, don't quote me on out. those numbers, but I think. Yeah, no, <laughs> no and, I, and I was I was actually thinking it was maybe a little bit higher, like to 80 to 90. But but the fact That's is, possible. is that I, and I want to make that point that, you know, yes, of course, it's important to market on these other platforms. Yes, of course, it's important to brand. But when it comes to our our industry and, and when I say our industry, I mean both pests and lawn, it is needs driven. Right. And, and you got to be strong on the main platform there, which is which is mm -hmm. Google. So. All right. Continuing on. Just want to make that. Point. And I I will say that Amazon is creeping up every year. Amazon is is taking more and more of that market share. And I think it's something even when it comes to search, people don't think of Amazon as that much of a competitor because it it's a different kind of search. It's not you know searching for information. It's searching for products. But I think it's something to think about as well because Amazon is going to try and compete with Google as much as they can to to make revenue, um, ad revenue. So I think it's something to keep in mind too. So now that yep. you you have the basics down and 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 you're kind of um, putting your digital marketing uh, uh, plan together for the year, which you probably should have already done. Um, <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> what? Uh, what are some dummy checks before we get into the season? What uh, what do you think that uh, can and will go wrong? What, uh, you know, how do you look at that? I think the most essential or the most basic version of a dummy check would be to literally go to Google and, and kind of see what the, the search engine results page looks like in the areas that you're trying to target. So go to Google and search, you know, pest control Raleigh. If, you know, you're trying to sell recurring pest programs in Raleigh and that's your number one market and your number one service you're trying to sell, Go to Google and kind of analyze what the the SERP looks like. And when I say SERP, that's an acronym for search engine results page. But um, you know, are you coming up? Uh, are you showing up in every area? You know, one of our kind of our biggest strategy here at Colmarge is we talk about like SERP dominance and SERP repetition. There's a lot of different areas of a search engine results page. There's the Google local services section. There's the paid ads. There's the map section with reviews. There's the organic section. Um, ideally, our kind of strategy is we want you to be coming up in every section. We want you to to have visibility in every single section because each of those sections get you know a certain amount of clicks. Um, I think the paid ads get about you know 15 to 20 percent of all clicks. The the map section gets about 30 percent of all clicks. Um, we want you to be showing up in every area. One, so repetition, it's you're taking up more real estate. So you have a higher chance of being clicked on if you're showing up in every area. Um, two, it kind of, I think, makes your company seem more legitimate if you're coming up, you know, all over the search engine, search engine results page. Um, so I think analyzing the SERP and seeing, you know, where are you lacking visibility? And I definitely would say don't search this once and then, you know, freak the heck out if you're not showing up at all, because the the industry and the landscape has gotten so competitive in the last five years that it's not realistic that your PPC ad is going to show up number one every single time someone searches and it's not realistic that you're going to show up in every section every single time and so it can change don't freak out if you know you're not coming up number one for a PPC ad or in the Google local services section um, proximity is a part of it too but in general I'd say kind of analyze the SERP and see you know the areas that you're lacking and you know kind of gain insights from that. Uh, I think if you're working with a marketing company, it'd be kind of a good thing to go through with the marketing company or, you know, if you have an in-house person, I think if you're just the average pest control business owner, um, you know, analyzing a SERP is probably not something <laughs> you're super great at. Um, but in general, I'd say that that's kind of a good dummy check is do you have visibility? If someone has a need for what it is that you're selling, are you even showing up? Do they even have the potential to find you? 
let me add a couple of, let me, I was gonna say, let me add a couple of caveats with that because number one make sure that you're incognito when you're searching right i mean you don't want to use previous google history because google will will change your results based on your previous history i know that's i know that's common knowledge i just have to say it because sometimes people don't know that um because you can and, and the other thing i would say is if you have remote markets you know use uh, VPNs are some way to mask your location because your location is going to have a big impact on the search results as well. And then the third thing I would say is be really careful about if you are in Atlanta or New York or LA or some, you know, Dallas, somewhere that's a super hyper competitive market, the idea of you owning Dallas pest control, right? It could be done. It's going to take a lot of money. So just, just be very cautious about, um, expectations when it comes to that. I mean, there are definitely other markets that you could dominate, but, um, but you know, sometimes, you know, the amount of money it would take just to make any kind of headway for those, it's probably not even worth the fight by the time you pull it back to the mm -hmm. cost per sale. So what percentage sure. of your effort should be spent on organic versus pay-per-click and Google local and whatnot? I, I, I always think it's a hard question to answer when people ask how much should I spend on things because I'm not in the books of your business. And I think it varies business to business. I think obviously, you know, cash flow is a, a part of it, how much money you can well, spend. Okay. Um, so, so let me change the question then. If I know that I'm going to spend a dollar, how much should go to uh, organic versus uh, the others rather than coming up with a budget? In other words, what should I really take some effort and, and build out this organic or, you know, uh, to me that the, the, that the, the SERP has changed over the years. It used to be three quarters organic, one quarter paid. Now it seems like it's the, the opposite. So what, what, what should you focus on? Yeah. So kind of going back to what I was saying before, as far as percentage of clicks. So when someone goes to Google and they search something, the PPC ads typically get about 15% of clicks. Um, and that can vary based on intent of what someone is searching. So more commercial terms versus informational. Like if someone's searching, how do I get rid of ants in my kitchen? Like they're looking for information. They're not looking for a commercial business. They're going to naturally click on organic listings more than they're going to click on an ad versus commercial intent type searches are going to be more geared towards PPC. But at the end of the day, PPC ads are still not getting majority of the clicks. Um, the map section, so the local pack section that us SEOers call it, that's going to be the map. It's going to have, you know, the Google My Business reviews, so forth. That gets about 30% of the clicks. And then the organic listings can get anywhere from you know 30 to 50 percent so at the end of the day the ppc ads are definitely and the paid ads in general are dominating the SERP because google is making you know 98 percent of their revenue as a business from ad revenue and so of course they're going to do everything they can to push businesses running ads because guess what they get paid but at the end of the day a lot of people are still clicking on the organic listings people are still clicking on the google my business pages and so with that being said like i feel like it's always a question of is seo dying is this you know should i even be focusing my efforts on seo and it's like yes they still are getting majority of the clicks if you go into your analytics account you know on behalf of a hundred of our clients at least 50 percent of their traffic is usually coming from organic still um, and so i absolutely think it's something that you should still focus on now of course, it's going to be more of a long-term investment in that you're not going to get dollar for, you're not going to get $3 for every dollar that you spend in organic the first year that you do that. 
that you start really investing in SEO. It's going to take some time and some businesses maybe aren't in a position to financially invest in their company if they're not going to get that immediate return. Um, and so I think it depends also where you're at as a company. If you're a brand new company, spending more on PPC may be a better use of your money starting out. Um, but if you're a company that you have the capital to invest in your company and you know you kind of know it's going to pay off in two, three, four years, I definitely think it's still worth the money investing and building good content, building a good website, getting links, um, so forth. Well, I would just say, I mean, and just kind of summarizing there, it's embrace the end, right? If it, if I were to have a dollar, right, and, the, and I agree with you, RB, it's like, hey, if you're just starting out and you absolutely, you have no, you have no history, you have no um, organic footprint whatsoever, well, then you got to have sales. Well, then obviously the majority of your money is going to be uh, geared toward the paid side. But just realize, like, you're not investing in the future. And organically, right. the, the thing I will say is this. I almost view organic as great insurance, right? I mean, Google built its business on really good organic, um, you know, indexing. And so if you're if you're really, really good on the SEO side and on the optimization side, no matter how that algorithm changes, you're going to be pretty strong and you're not going to get whacked, right? On the paid side, it's completely out of your control, right? A new competitor comes in, four or five more competitors come in, and they start bidding up the pricing. Well, you might have $50 cost per click, right? I mean, it just, those things are kind of out of your control. And so um, it's almost like, you know, hey, I would take 50 cents and invest for the long term, 50 cents, and let's get some sales now. That's Donnie's perspective, mm -hmm. not telling you it's right or wrong. And, and much like what RB said, it really depends on your situation and kind of where you're at as a business and I would say even your market. So having mm -hmm. said all of that, we're heading into the season. What are some just steps that must happen for pest and loan companies in terms of, you know, ensuring their digital marketing is going to work for them this year? Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, I guess, you know, before we get into the digital marketing side of things, I think in general, you know, for any of your advertising campaigns to work well, you kind of have to have a good infrastructure in your company. And I, it's been interesting because I, I bought a townhouse. I bought my first house in July. And so I've been having to work with a lot of home service companies since then. And so for, you know, majority of my career, I'm, I'm from the side of a digital marketer and I've never been from the side of a, you know, a consumer. Um, and so it's been interesting to kind of be on the other end and see, how awful the communication is when trying to work with electricians and plumbers. And, you know, I, I, I just like, I, I, I work with these companies and I'm just like this communication, this customer experience is absolutely awful. And so I feel like, you know, if you're pumping all this money into digital marketing, but you don't have the infrastructure to be able to, you know, communicate well, sell well, educate your customers, it, it's just money that's going to go down the drain. So I feel like, you know, taking digital marketing out of it, just really making sure that your communication is streamlined, making sure that your customer experience is good, you know, offering, you know, texting options, making sure you're super professional through any sort of communication that you have with customers, answering your phone fast. Like these are things that I feel like just need to be basic necessities before you even think about dumping money into marketing, you know, make sure this you can answer such, your phone. This is such a great point. Dan, have you ever heard the term you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's it's still a pig, right? So you can dress it all up with digital marketing and 
if your company sucks, right, you you still suck. It's not like digital marketing is going to yeah, cover that. It, what's interesting is a lot of those companies that you're talking about are very successful. So it just goes to show you that it doesn't take much to, to uh, you know, get head and shoulders beyond those companies because there's a lot of successful companies who do suck. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with one right now. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and they're a huge company. So, uh, but, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so step one, if you have a, should I call it, why am I picking on pigs this morning? If you have a company that could, I mean, we all could get better by the way. I mean, I, I certainly at Triangle, we run a pretty tight ship, but are we perfect? No, but I feel the same way. You know, sometimes when I use a contract, I'm like, how difficult is it just to send an email? How hard is it just to respond? Like, you know, so I agree with you. Step one is, is make sure you're, you, you can provide a great customer experience. Okay. Next step. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting on the digital side. Uh, yeah. And so from the digital side of things, I think that Google Local Services has been an absolute game changer and been super transformative for our clients. We'll probably talk about that more throughout this whole podcast, but that's a relatively new ad platform that Google rolled out for home service, you know, companies and I don't know, it, it varied, but around 2018, 2019. Uh, and so these ads are the first thing that show up on a Google search page. They're super cost effective. You pay per lead, not per click. Um, so it's kind of a little bit more fixed than I would say PPC ads, which are mostly, you know, cost per click bidding options where you're going to pay every time someone clicks on your ad. Um, with these, you pay every time someone calls you and say you pay per lead. Um, and it's going to be, you know, anywhere from 30 to $60. And so overall, I think, you know, this has been really great for our clients. Um, I think there's a new level of trust for people that have the Google guarantee. I think that consumers feel like there's an added level of security and, and legitimacy, if you will. And so, um, you know, I think focusing on Google local services, it's insane to me. We get prospects that are talking to us that have never even heard of it. They're not running ads there. And I'm like, this has been around for two to three years. If your marketing company hasn't brought this up to you, that's a big red flag. Um, so I think focusing on Google local services is really great. Um, I think just like, again, just, you know, another thing to think about is like acting fast when there's some sort of activity going on in your area. An example that I, I think of often is last year, it was like in Pennsylvania, the Northeast, the spotted lanternfly was like a really big pest that had like swarmed the um, Northeast area. And one of our clients was really quick to jump on that and to, you know, offer a treatment for it, run PPC ads, run social media ads. And they, uh, this was Go Green, who's in Pennsylvania, and they, they were selling, I mean, 300 a month treatments. And so that was something of something that I think was really successful for them is just, you know, keeping being in tune with what's going on in your area and, you know, relaying that to your marketing team, acting fast. Um, I think that that can also be, you know, a really great thing to think about. So if I uh, if I wanted to uh, pin you down and say, uh, you know, uh, what are realistic expectations uh, for the performance? If I uh, want to spend money, uh, if I'm just starting out, so year one and then year two and beyond, what kind of returns should I expect? And I understand market to market, it's different, but in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. And I think, you know, we kind of touched on it before Donnie and I were talking about, you know, SEO and PPC being, you know, different kinds of investments. PPC isn't really an investment for the future. You're spending money on ads and you're driving immediate traffic to your website and immediate leads, but it's not something that's naturally going to benefit you two years from now. Whereas with SEO, 
um, the money that you spend now, you're building a foundation that is going to benefit you in a couple of years. And so I'd say, you know, it definitely also depends on where you're starting at. You know, your starting point is a really big factor in how fast you can achieve success. If you're a brand new company who doesn't even have a website, you've got no authority with Google, you know, you're probably not going to rank on the first page in the first six to 12 months for every single term and every single market, depending on, you know, obviously the competitiveness of that market. But, you know, it's really going to take some time to gain footing versus, you know, if you have had a website for 15 years and you're already ranking, you know, at the top of the second page, if you start working with a really great, you know, SEO company that really knows what they're doing and they're really focused on quality content and, and building the authority of your website in, in what we would call white hat ways, um, it, it depends. But I'd say in general, you know, Two to three years of investing in SEO is really where you start to see payoff, and that's where you really start to see that return on investment. Um, in general, like if your costs associated with SEO are relatively fixed year after year, and every year you're getting more traffic and you're getting more leads, that means you're making more sales with that same marketing expense, and that's where that ROI starts to pay off. And so, it definitely it depends where you're at, but in general, I'd say you know the first six to 12 months, you should be starting to gain some footing, you know, building out unique content on your website, getting to to rank for some other terms um, beyond just the basic more commercial terms like pest control and lawn care, um, and really start to, to gain some footing there. But you're not going to rank number one in all of your key terms in six to 12 months. It's just not going to happen. It can take years to get to that point. And even then, you may not, you know, get to that point, depending on how competitive your market is. So, I'm getting ready to ask a question that I, well, we all have an opinion and I have a pretty strong opinion about this one. So I'm going to do my best to keep my mouth shut. But having said all of that, this is, by the way, something that just drives me crazy is I'll get a call from someone. They've, they've been online for two years. They're in a highly competitive market. Let's just take Miami, for example. And they're like, Hey, I just searched my name and I'm not showing up on, I, I just searched for Miami pest control and I'm not showing up in the top three uh, spots and they've been around for say two years. And meanwhile, there's companies that have been up, you know, for 15, 20 years, they've got thousands of reviews. And so my question is, you know, obviously this owner or this person believes that their, their effectiveness of our digital is not working because of a search that they did, right? They're not showing up say for a specific term. So my question is, what are some ways to measure the effectiveness of digital and and how how do you approach that yeah i think you know the most basic way that most people probably measure is my you know digital marketing effective is is definitely their cost per sale their cost per lead if they have the the systems in place to be able to accurately measure that um, but i think obviously cost per sale it, you know at triangle that's your number one kind of metric if your cost per sale is within the range that you want it to be in you'll just keep spending and so i think um, you know you may not be profitable right away but if you're you know you're confident that you can keep a customer for years and years you know use the average lifetime value of that customer to calculate what your cost per lead should be, not what you have to make in year one to be able to not be in the red. Um, and, to, and, so, and, and just to strip this out, because I, that's exactly what I was going to say is that, I mean, I think cost per sale is the ultimate measurement, right? And, mm -hmm. and Dan, the accountant here, and, and, you know, and, and I know that he feels the same way. At the end of the day, you have to look at marketing as an investment. And so if I go to the bank with the dollar, and every time they give me back four, right? That's a good investment, right? I mean, my marketing's working. If I go to the bank and 
and I give them $4 and they give me back $4, well, then that's not really working. But I mean, I agree with what you're saying is that if you look at the lifetime value of a customer, number one, there's a few, there's a few things here that are underlined that you got to make sure that you know. Okay, number one, how long does a customer stay with you? Do you really know the lifetime value of a customer? If, if it's average of 12 months, is it 24 months, is it 36 months? I don't know. So you need to understand that. Number two, you need to know what did you spend on marketing? Number three, you need to know of that marketing, how many customers did it generate? All of those things go into calculating your cost per sale. But at the end of the day, in its simplest form, it is ROI, really, right? I'm spending this much and this is how much I get out of it. And so there's a lot of complexity that you can build into that. But don't forget the simplicity of, <laughs> is this working or not? Well, <laughs> is this, I, I, am I, I making money or not? Things that you have to, to, to think about cost per sale, but marketing and sales are two separate uh, functions. You could be killing it with your marketing. And if your salespeople can't convert, then that's a problem. Yes, or yes. you could be paying a ton of money for your uh, leads, but closing at a very high rate. So uh, cost per lead is very important. And then conversion percentage is extremely important as well. Yep. I agree with that. I mean, and, and what yeah. Dan's saying there is that it's you can't go to CPS in a vacuum because there's a lot more there. I, I remember years ago, I hate to admit this, but it's kind of funny. This is in the days of Dex. Um, do you even know who Dex is, RB? Uh, yeah, De like Dex Media, isn't that like yellow? Where the yellow? Yeah, pages the yellow pages. So when they were trying to, when they were dying a horrible death, and they were trying to get into digital. Um, this was many, many, many years ago. I gave them a little money to run a digital campaign. And I'll never forget, their number one key term for a triangle was bees. We didn't even service bees at the time. And so we were like, oh, yeah, you're getting all these leads and you're doing it. And, and so, you know, obviously cost per sale would, would get rid of that mess. But but anyway, I just think it, so. So Dan is 100 percent correct. Right. You got to look at CPS for me is the ultimate. But you absolutely have to look at cost per lead as well. And, and of course, what gets factored in that is conversion. So. Anyway, continue on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I had sales closing rate as, as another thing I was going to mention as well. And I think also, you know, how much you're willing to spend for sale, it can vary based on also where you're starting out because you talk about average lifetime value of a customer, but it's like if you're a brand new company, you don't know what that is yet. And so maybe it does make sense for you to try and stay within that first year because if you have 12 month contracts, you know you're going to make at least $500 you know, that year from one customer, then maybe you don't want to spend more than $200 to acquire that customer. And that's fine. But I think it's something that it very much depends on where you're at in your business. And if you do have, again, the capital to invest a little bit more, knowing it is going to pay off over the next two to three, four years, however long you're going to keep that customer, um, then it's worth spending a little bit more. And I agree with what you're saying in general of just never looking at anything too much in a vacuum, because I think if you overanalyze everything, you know, one by one, you'll try and pick apart and find things wrong with any part of your marketing strategy. I think in general, if the high level numbers look good, you know, it's good to dive into specific things, but you can't look at anything too much in a vacuum. Um, cause then you'll just talk yourself out of anything that you're doing business wise. And I think that's an important point, too, because, you know, depending on what your cash position is, and, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's it's extremely important, I think, is that if you know your cost per sale, and let's just say that you don't have, like you don't have, you have enough, you're having to fund your marketing out of operational performance of the business, meaning that you don't have some cash bank that you can go to and keep the growth going. 
if that's the case, one of the strategies that I did early on at Triangle, and it worked very, very well, and it kept me out of the red, was, okay, my initial service is 150 bucks. I know if I keep my marketing cost per sale at 150 or lower, I'm going to be able to fund my marketing out of my, um, out of my operational performance of the business. And so what that allows me to do is not go cash negative. Now, I'm not saying that makes sense. And in some cases, you know, if you've got, if you've got plenty of capital and you can go faster, absolutely just realize like, okay, well, I'm not going to be, you know, it's going to take me a year or however long you, you know, you pump that cost per sell up. It's going to take you a while to realize that cash back because, you know, like marketing, you're going to pay it all up front. So it's just really important to think about when you're developing what, what cost per sale should I have? A lot of that has to do with, well, how much cash do you have and how much can you burn? Um, but that, and, that's and how much you can you put About that initial, uh, you know, that initial for $150, if, if you want to go to that number. Um, but the, the issue, I think, is... Uh, if you're in New York or Atlanta or Dallas, you're probably not going to end up with 150, so that's not realistic. But if you're in, you know, a smaller market, uh, you know, um, then then absolutely you will. So rather than you, you really need to take a look and see, well, what is that cost per sale coming in at? And your competitors are not going to say, oh, okay, well, it's not 150, it's 250. Therefore, I raise my initials to 250 because you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, comp compete in the market. So sometimes, uh, especially in the bigger market, it's hard to get off the ground, um, you know, to, 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 to be able to establish that number. For sure. And, and you definitely want to strategically choose the areas that you service. I mean, I would never open a pest control company in Atlanta personally. Like I just, I, I just, I wouldn't, I think, or even yeah, Miami. Like I, I just don't think that would even be a good course. Oh, I see you got um, Orkin, you got Arrow, you got you know, a whole bunch of great companies there, but, uh, but, yeah. but you're right. If you can find some small market, we have, clients that are absolutely crushing it in very tiny markets and they're doing things like cable advertising who does cable right because it's too expensive but if you're in a small market it becomes pretty cost effective so uh, so what are some uh, what are some highly successful owners doing that that that, that are killing it like uh, what what you know i mean donnie's a, 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 a he's a, he's a, a pretty humble guy but triangle does a pretty good job would it let, let's open up his books and, and, and dissect and, and tell everybody what Johnny's doing all of his conversations. <laughs> so I, say, <laughs> I didn't know if he was going to jump in or and talk about his experience with Triangle. No, or I'm going to let, let you do it. I'm going to let you do it. Um, I, I think spending a lot on PPC and Google local services, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. I think of, obviously my my point of reference is often Coolmarch clients. I've worked here for seven years. I've worked with all of our clients at some point. And so I always, I'm always thinking about what are our successful Coolmarch clients doing that others aren't? And I think of companies that we work with like Natural State and Greenleaf who, you know, they're spending a ton on PPC and Google local services as well as investing investing in their organic. Um, but they're just, they're not afraid to invest financially in their company and the profits that they're making, they're taking and, and they're reinvesting in, you know, driving more sales. Um, and so another thing that I had was, you know, aside from, okay, you, you obviously need to have the capital and the funds to be able to do that. We've kind of established that. Like it may not be realistic for a brand new business who didn't sell a business before that and have a, a lump of cash to spend um, to be able to spend a lot. But, you know, you 
essentially just you can't be afraid to invest financially in your business. And I think anything that you're going to do from a business perspective, especially starting out, is going to be a risk. And you can't be afraid to take risks. And of course, there's, you know, there's things that you should do to monitor that risk to see how it's going, you know, looking at numbers, making sure that numbers in your business are where you need them to be out. Hang on, I gotta, I gotta say this, just because the more you talk, and the more I have to make sure that people are clear on this. By the way, if you've spent any time with me, if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably know I'm not a very smart guy. And and while it may sound like, you know, there's some sort of risk, like I'm out there going out and getting after it. That's absolutely just not true. I'm not, I am a risk taker, but I am a measured risk taker. And of course, some on my team may disagree with me, but You're a risk taker, I that, not a gambler. Yeah. Riverboat gambler, which by the way, if anyone has ever met Jess, who he's the one who runs operationally, he he basically runs Triangle. He, that's what he calls me from time to time as a riverboat gambler. But I'm not, right? So what I would say, what most highly successful people are doing in digital is that they're investing in infrastructure so they can gain clarity on what's going on. The thing that drives me batty is when people are like, you know, they do searches, they're killing it on digital, and they don't even know it, right? Or vice versa, they think they're killing it in digital, and really they suck. I mean, obviously they've got sales and it's all relative. But what I mean by that is that, you know, at Triangle and, and I think at a lot of other highly successful companies that are doing digital, they understand what's driving, what's making the phone ring and they can back it up with data. And I'm just going to tell a quick story here. So Frank, who is the COO of Coart, actually used to work for Triangle. And I'll never forget, his. I incentivized him when he first started working at Triangle based on how many leads he could bring into the business. And if you ever meet Frank, I mean, he reminds me of Monk. Remember that show, The Monk or Monk? Remember that show where like he didn't want to, he was scared of everything. So Frank does not, not a risk taker. He did not like the fact that his pay was tied to leads. But at the end of the day, we had put in closed loop marketing and I understood what was happening. And back then I remember our pay-per-click budget was 30,000 a month. And so we're sitting in this meeting and it's me, Frank, Jess, and I think Josh was in it. And I'm asking them, I'm like, okay, so what's our budget? They're like, it's 30 grand a month. They're like, I'm like, what's our cost per lead right now? They're like, it's 70 bucks. And I'm like, double the budget. It's now $60,000. And you could have heard a pin drop. Like everyone's like mouth fell to the floor. We didn't have $60,000, but I knew at that cost per sell, it was a, it was a gamble that I knew I would get my money back because I wasn't going to go over my initial service fee. And so my point here is, is that, when I ask this question or when I think about what are some highly successful owners doing, RB is 100% correct. They are they are investing big time, but they're not gambling. They are doing it because they know the numbers and they, you know, since they know the numbers, they know what's going to come back. It's not like they're just sitting around like, whoo, you know, let's go have some so, fun. So I have a question on with regard to keywords, right? So let's say, you know, I go in, uh, should I put all my money into pest control Raleigh or should I put it into Carpenter Ants Raleigh, bees Raleigh, fleas Raleigh, or, you know, like how, how should I distribute my, my, my keywords? Do you mean from like a PPC budget standpoint or, or more on the SEO side of things? Yeah, yeah. or both. Yeah, I think in general that that's just good SEO and, and good PPC management is kind of having a, a diversified portfolio of keywords. So you're not putting, you know, 100% stock into one keyword. I think on average, when we when we build out a PPC campaign for our clients, we're bidding on anywhere from, you know, 50,000 to 100,000 different keyword variations for any types of pests and any types of, you know, variations of keywords. Um, 
in general, the the highly commercial ones, the, the ones that people are searching the most, like pest control or exterminator near me, are going to be the ones that naturally are, are driving the biggest volume to your account. But I still think it's really important to have a diversified um, keyword strategy where you're not putting, you know, all of your eggs in one basket and you are targeting all different kinds of keywords. And I think it also, you know, it depends from a financial standpoint and from a business standpoint, you know, we have some clients that they offer bed bug as a service, but they really don't want to spend PPC on that because it's, it's one-time revenue and they know whatever they sell in bed bug, they're going to have to resell next year and the year after that. And so they'll sell that service if they, if they, you know, if they naturally get leads, you know, to their website for that, but they maybe don't want to spend with PPC on that. So I think also when it comes to keywords, like is Carpenter going to be, you know, a profitable service for you to sell? If it's not, then maybe you don't really want to invest your, your PPC dollars in that but keyword you're, specifically. You're talking about the seasonality and you go through like a, a pest calendar and, and mm -hmm. you can actually like, uh, if you look at the PMP or PCT magazine, if, if you go to, if you're an advertiser with them as we are, they actually have a calendar and, and they know what pests are going in which month. So, you know, in, in the Northeast, carpenter ants are a problem, right? So in, in May, they're a particularly a problem. Am I better spending more money on carpenter ants or pest as a keyword? What what, what do you think, uh, in, you know, general or I think it depends too. You, you've got to actually look at the data, kind of going back to what Donnie's saying. You, you have to really use data to make informed decisions. And I think that that's part of what working with a great marketing company should be doing is they should be seeing, does Carpenter Ant convert at a better rate than pest control? You know, Do those keywords actually convert? And is the cost per lead for those keywords within the range that you want it to be? Because if you're paying $400 per Carpenter Ant lead, you know, as a PPC optimizer, I might be like, eh, I'm not going to put, you know, as much budget into that keyword as I am going to be into one that converts at a higher rate and has a lower cost per lead. And so I think in general, that's kind of the more complexities that go into managing PPC is seeing kind of what keywords are, you know, generating cost effective leads and which ones aren't and which ones are converting great and which ones aren't and then kind of allocating the budget based on that. All so right. So well, do, you have say, schedule, uh, uh, do you have a, a you know, when, when you put together a, uh, a program, what is it, it? Do you have a spreadsheet that you work off of? You know, you, you kind of blew me away with over 100,000 variations. Is that mm -hmm. just computer generated? That's Carpenter Ants, Town 1, Carpenter Ants, Town 2, Carpenter Ants, and yep. then Town 1, Bees, Town 2, and, and all those other. Yeah, we. Yeah, we've got like a template for our PPC campaign. So we've got pre-built out templates for all different kinds of variations of keywords and different pests. And we kind of utilize that for all of our clients and to get, you know, consistently and, and kind of build out more different ad groups to bid on different keywords, you know, based on what we're doing for clients and what we see works. But yeah, we've got like a, a template that we use that is in Google Ads Editor, which is, you know, a, a tool that we use to manage campaigns for our clients. So we are... By the way, we've not gotten through half the stuff that I wanted to talk about, but we've actually reached the end here. And so before we close out, uh, just want to give our listeners, I'm going to ask you to look in your crystal ball. And, and if you're not imagining this right now, literally Rachel's over like this little ball and there's like smoke flying out right now. And so predictions for 2021, where do you think digital is going to go? Any changes you're seeing, things that up, up and coming things that our clients need, our clients, uh, our listeners need to be, um, looking out for, you know, researching, taking advantage of anything that you see, any predictions, anything that you, obviously I know things are going to change. We know that, mm -hmm. but um, 
just some predictions or things that people could be on the, on the lookout for. Yeah, I think, you know, in general, I think TikTok is going to be a really big, and again, I don't think this is necessarily relevant uh. to lawn care pest control companies, but I think in general for say <laughs> e-commerce companies, I think, you know, TikTok advertising is going to blow up in the next couple of years. I think Instagram real advertising, story posts on Instagram, podcast advertising, like these are different means of of advertising that have really already kind of blown up in the last couple of years that we're, we'll probably continue to. Now, I don't think it's the most relevant to lawn care and pest control. And I, to be honest, I, I don't see a ton changing. I think even in the last year, there's, you know, there's little changes. Google rolled out core algorithm updates that, you know, tweak, um, you know, how they rank people, but in general, you know, things aren't changing on a dime like they they are for maybe other industries. Um, but in general, I think that that Google is is very much trying to obviously push ads. Like I said, it's it's where they get 99% of their revenue. So I can see them, you know, in the next couple of years, figuring out more and more ways for companies to advertise with them. I think Google Local Services was obviously a great example in the last couple of years. And I can see them pushing, you know, out even more different ways of, of advertising. But yeah, I really don't see a ton changing. I think in general, more kind of casual conversational marketing is really growing, you know, the use of chat bots and messaging systems, um, granting immediate, you know, gratification to people, people want fast answers, we're an impatient society, especially younger people. And so I think um, things like that are just going to continue to grow. But in general, I don't see a ton changing and, and something we haven't even really talked about yet, or I know that we're kind of coming to a close, but um, I think in general, you know, Dan, before you mentioned Orkin and all of these big companies that are kind of dominating the the SERP, um, what are they doing that smaller companies aren't? And I think the biggest thing that they're doing is they have a lot of different offices and a lot of different locations and a lot of different areas. And I think that that is absolutely where businesses need to be focusing when you have the means to open up offices in a lot of you know the different markets that you want to service. I think that that is only going to benefit you from a digital perspective. And I think that that's something a lot of companies aren't thinking about when they have extra, you know, extra money to spend. They're not thinking, huh, I should open up, you know, I should open up an office in Holly Springs because I have trouble ranking there because it's 40 miles from, you know, where my company is or I know that that's not actually the case for Triangle, but um, I think that opening up offices and getting, you know, getting addresses in the the different markets that you're really trying to saturate. I think that that's something most people aren't doing that they probably should be doing because so much of digital is still proximity based. And I hate that it is because it doesn't make sense for non brick and mortar you know, businesses, but it is the way that it is. And I really don't see that changing anytime soon. So I, yeah, I mean, I, well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that I'm not going to have to put a song on TikTok. And by the way, TikTok <laughs> has already blown up. I have teenagers and I can't stand it, but they love TikTok. Like it's just like the thing now. And it well, I think people associate them with with teenagers. But if you look at the, the, the demographics of the users, it I mean, it's still like 30 to 50 year old. So that I'm going to. I'm gonna. Awesome. I think, I think awesome. there might even, there might even be there might even be a video of Dan singing on there. Yeah, I don't no, know. They, they, they also were talking or... about uh, you know uh, a year ago or two that Snapchat was going to be where everything is. I mean, where do you see that? That's I, I just I, for pest like if 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 I'm you know a, a home gardener or I'm into skiing or skateboarding or something, I join a group and then I get it. But if I'm just looking for a home service. Mm, you know, if you're in, in, in the local town or something, that Facebook page or that social, I, I see that. But I, I'm just, I don't know that people go to things like uh, TikTok, but, but 
you know, it, 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 it uh, you know, uh, I, I may not see it, but uh, I, I think that one question that I do have before we close, you mentioned that uh, the, um, you know, that, that, uh, um, uh, that, that Google came out with Google Local and, and they're dominating more, but how much did they cannibalize from the, the pay-per-click? Did, did that really get them more of the market share or did it just redistribute the money? No, I, it definitely got them more. There's been some um, some studies on just where where people click on a SERP. And so when Google local services ads are present and then PPC ads are underneath them, more people click on the paid ads in general. So it's definitely driving more. It, it's not only driving revenue for you know the companies that are advertising on Google local services, like it's not only more revenue that Google's making just for this new ad platform, but when those ads are present, people are clicking on PPC ads even more. And so in general, they're making more money as a business because more people are advertising and more people are clicking and there's just more opportunity for businesses to, to spend from an ad standpoint. Excellent. All right, so we, we really do have to close, but I just, if I were to talk about this a bit, so, there's a there's a famous study that was done, the magic of the middle. Do you do you know this one, Dan? Basically, uh, I don't, I can't remember who did it, but it was a marketing study. And and the point of it is is that most people don't want the high end and they don't want the low end. They want what's in the Dan middle. Thomas from magic. Wendy. The, the yeah. Single well, the magic, right. He was one who who exploited this, right? But I mean, this is this is well researched. So if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, right? If you look on the cert page, okay, pay per click was the very first thing. Then there's organic. Now you've got the magic middle, right? You've got Google local services, then you got paid ads, and then you got organic. So where does that put paid ads? Puts it in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, my point is, um, you know, at the end of the day, th those guys are not dumb, and they make a ton of money, and they do a great job at it. But anyway, well, listen, RB, thank you for joining us here today. It has been a wonderful. I mean, again, and we have never gotten, uh, well, we just, we didn't even get close to getting through all the stuff there. So I'm sure we're going to bring you back on. Maybe we'll bring you back on after the season's done in the fall as people start to retool and rethink what their new strategy is going to be for 2022. But thanks for taking some time out to to meet with us and and to tell us what, what you got going on there at Colmarch. Dan, any any thoughts before we close out here? No, I just want to really thank you. I, I thought this was excellent. I think it's one of the most interesting topics because uh, it's constantly changing and it's it, you, you, it's gamesmanship. That's what it is. So it's, it most uh, certainly is. Well, sure. well, thank you for thank having you. me. Thank you, RB. And look, if if you enjoyed this podcast, um, please go out to uh, Apple, rate us, review us. If you didn't enjoy it, well, you know, I guess you could rate us, review us there as well. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we don't. Um, we don't always deliver on everyone. But having said that, thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care now. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye now.